Hello and welcome to Mental Money. Mental Money is a podcast that believes that money is less about the physical or what's in your wallet and more about the mental. What's your mindset when it comes to your money? How do you interact with your money? What's your heart behind how you use money? All of those elements, because ultimately at the end of the day, you can make a really, really good income and be broke and unfulfilled in your finances. So what can you expect from Mental Money? Well, the first thing you can expect is we're going to bring on a new guest every single episode that airs. And that means you get a new perspective, a new way of looking at maybe an older concept you never thought of to help us all win in our finances. And that's ultimately the goal with the Mental Money podcast. It's just to help us look at money differently, help us navigate all of our finances better and just learn from each other. So if this interests you, keep listening because the next episode starts now. We are going to talk about navigating stress and anxiety around money through financial strategy. I can give you a little bit of background on myself to start. Um, I'm Tanya, like you mentioned, Randy. I'm a fractional CFO and financial strategist. I help small businesses scale to six and seven figures through strategic financial planning so that they can grow their business profitably and sustainably, feel empowered to make informed decisions for their business and take home more money. Um, A little more background on my career. I have a degree in finance and economics and I've spent my entire career so far in the world of finance. I actually started my career on Wall Street and have also worked with corporates to help them grow through strategic financial planning. And after having spent time working for the bigger corporates, for me, it just wasn't feeling fulfilling enough. I knew that I have all this knowledge and skills that I can use to help grow businesses. I mean, I've seen it happen. I've done it before. Um, So I just know that I really have the skills needed to make a much bigger and tangible impact on the lives of business owners by doing just those same things that I'm doing for those larger corporates. So I'm just curious, what was the difference in the stress level that you had leaving the corporate environment or leaving, I guess, a more feels like more high stressed position? Was it more stressful for you? Was it a different kind of stress? Just talk on that for a little bit. It's different types of stress. I mean, on one hand, from a personal standpoint, it's less stressful because I do have a steady paycheck. I know exactly where my money is coming from. Um, but on the other hand, um, in the work itself, it de- for me, it depended role to role. So when I was working on Wall Street, that was definitely high stress. Moving over to corporates, depending on the size and depending on the culture of the company, um, that shifts. So... Unexpected things come up in business and in life. And, you know, when when you deal with money on those things, it can just cause a, a lot of stress with that. So what are some things that you recommend just personally or business-wise that people kind of implement to help them bring down that financial stress? Yeah, so I primarily help business owners, but I think a lot of this can be applied in both business and personal life. So I'm sure we're all familiar with being in, you know, an oh shit situation, like things just happen. It's a part of life. So how do you navigate those situations? I think the best way to navigate them is by planning for them. 
And, and that's not to say that you're living in a state of constant negativity, doom, and just like expecting the worst. That's not what I mean at all. But I think that there are tools and strategies that you can implement that don't take a lot of time out of your day-to-day -day life, but that do help set you up to be prepared to navigate and handle those situations. So I think the biggest way to maybe minimize that stress and anxiety before you even get into that situation is gaining control over your finances. And I think so many people have found themselves in a cycle where they don't control their money, but their money is controlling them. So things like you're making a decision because you're, you're saying things like you can't afford something or you're making decisions from that place instead of feeling empowered, knowing that you have things in your control to make those decisions and make those things happen. Let's talk about what are some of the things that you can do to kind of gain control over those finances and get yourself back into the driver's seat. The first thing I'd say, the biggest thing is knowledge is power. So just the absolute basic knowledge of knowing exactly what is going on with your money is the first step. Um, so knowing exactly where your money is coming from, where it's going, just no shame, no guilt. It's just purely you're looking at it from a factual standpoint. Standpoint, You're not really trying to, um, you know, beat yourself down for spending too much or not making enough. It's really you're just looking at what is the current state of your financials. And I also don't mean you immediately start counting pennies or anything like that, but really just getting real with yourself and developing the awareness of what is going on. Then once you've gotten real with yourself, I think is when you can really start to implement those tools and strategies. So some of the strategies I recommend are tracking your expenses. I know this is a really basic one and I also know that life gets really busy, but if you can take out 30 to 45 minutes, really even at a bare minimum once every three months, you're going to be surprised with just how powerful that can be. I do this for myself. I call this my quarterly expense audit and I've been doing it ever since, like even before I had my own business. So I do it not just for my business, but also for my personal finances. Um, and the things I have found through it have really just helped set me up for success. And I, I recognize, I mean, when I first started, I've always, fortunately, I mean, I went to school for finance. I've just been good with money and just understand it. But I recognize that for some people that can feel really scary. But that's where it goes back to step one. If you do step one, you get real with yourself. You acknowledge from a factual standpoint, standpoint, not an emotional standpoint. You can reduce that level of stress or fear that you might feel before even starting to track your expenses. And then also just with other, as with everything, um, the more and more you do something, the better and easier it gets. And it's the same with tracking your expenses. The more you start to do it, the less scary it will feel and the better you will be in preparing yourself for um, negative situations. The second thing I'd say is creating a budget. And honestly, I kind of hate the word budget because I think it has such a negative, restrictive meaning associated with it. But I don't look at budget as this is, this is all I can spend in this month. It's more of a tool to help you know and evaluate what is and isn't serving you and your goals. So instead of creating a super restrictive budget, you, again, you want to be real about it. So this goes back to the awareness piece. You want to be accounting for the things you know will happen and things that you reasonably expect will happen. And if you are constantly going over your budget, then it's not time to shame yourself. It's really time to understand why, and also maybe time to think about expanding your budget. Doing that, it's going to help you continue to be real with yourself. 
and plan for where you want to be. And if as you do that and expand your budget, if that's not something that you're happy with, if that's you're thinking that, you know, I put this what I think is um, actually happening, but it's too much or it's not where I want to be, then it's in your power to change that through action. It doesn't have to be that way. But now you have the right information to figure out what needs to change in order to get you to where you want to go. I'd say finally, um, I'm sure people have heard this before too, but creating an emergency fund or a rainy day fund. Um, and again, I think by doing the first two things, tracking your expenses and then cre creating a realistic and flexible budget, you're already setting yourself up to know exactly what that emergency fund needs to look like. And then you can begin planning on how you can make that happen. So again, it's in your control. That's one thing to always keep in mind. It's in your control to know what that needs to be and know exactly what you can and want to do to make that, um, to make that plan come to life. So yeah, those are the things I would recommend. Start with the awareness of your financial situation and then practice implementing strategies like checking expenses, realistic budgeting, and preparing an emergency fund. So does that come back to kind of separating the emotional side of the financial stress to the more tangible side. Like you kind of got to start yeah. with the building blocks, the tangible stuff, the tracking your expenses, yeah. mm -hmm. the budgeting, the emergency funds, and then the emotional side of money kind of quiets down. Is that kind of what you're saying? Um, I think that they both go, yeah, exactly, hand in hand. You want to separate that emotional aspect of money and look at it as what it is, which is a physical thing, right? And right. once you separate that, a lot of what prevents people from implementing these strategies, like everybody can today go and start tracking their expenses. But the biggest block that causes people to not do that or fear looking at their bank accounts and such is because of that emotional attachment that they've got to it. So looking at it as a factual, physical thing versus um, an emotional thing that we are attached to. Gotcha. So yeah, so your basic building blocks are, mm -hmm. you have your, you're tracking your expenses, which I 100% agree with because I mean, I do it once every probably three months where I like go through all of my expenses mm -hmm. just to be like, oh, like, because your, your budget is a great, tool to use but it's not it doesn't often give you the small details of like oh man like I I actually like spend way too much on eating out I spend way <laughs> too much on this just because you're not actually seeing all the transactions you're just seeing the dollar amount that's being taken away on your budget itself yeah exactly spot on so what else, what else causes stress in finances? Um, what else causes stress? I'd say just not having a plan, <laughs> I think is the biggest thing when you are kind of, when you don't have a plan, you're just moving directionless. You, you have no way of knowing whether what you are doing is the right thing to do or not. Um, and when you end up in those situations, you just don't have any way of you know, figuring out how to get back on track, it leads to more and more stress. So you kind of end up in this loop of, well, I don't have the money that I need to do this thing. And then I don't have, that kind of just continues on and on. And so um, that's why I think that just feeling like you are in the driver's seat when it comes to your money and putting things in place to 
continue to maintain control over your money is how you can, you know, better navigate that stress. I think that another thing is just education around money is a big thing. So, so many people don't understand why they are living paycheck to paycheck. And it's a lot to do with financial literacy. A lot of the times or business owners I've seen who think that they are making lots of profits. And so they are thriving in their business. But when it comes to looking at their bank now, somehow they don't have the cash that they, they thought they did. Um, and it's all coming from lack of understanding of taxes, lack of understanding of just all these other things that go into a business and in life, honestly, um, where you just don't, um, you're not prepared for it because you are lacking the education for it. Right. Yeah. I mean, we definitely do have a lack of education when it comes to financial literacy. It's, it's all over the place and, <laughs> and, and the financial literacy that we do have is often presented by our governments presented mm -hmm. from like our financial institutions who let's be honest, they're in it for themselves. <laughs> they're not in it for <laughs> the common good of, of your pocketbook and your finances. Yeah. And I mean, I will also say that, I mean, this is even if some people are working with accountants and even the accounting side of finance is different from the real life side of finance. So yeah. if, if you're talking to an accountant and they're talking to you about your profit, and this is where a lot of that confusion comes up, like just this example that I gave about profit versus cash, where accountants will tell you, oh, great, like you've got $30,000 of profits this month. And then you look for that cash, but you don't have that cash. And so in accounting, when they're talking about profits, they're not talking about the actual physical money that you have in your bank. They're talking about from an accounting standpoint, based on accounting rules, what your quote unquote profit is. So hmm. um, that gap in like length, I guess you could almost call it like industry jargon also gets complicated when people are hearing things like, oh, highly profitable or, very like high revenues and all of that it's you're messing up the jargon versus from like accounting rules versus just everyday real life and what that actually means for you gotcha yeah i mean everyone wants to speak smarter than what they i can't do it i can't do it <laughs> everyone wants everyone wants to sound like they're smarter than they are and that's just it just gets all messed up I totally agree with you because it's like you no know, we need to know we need to know the language we're using and we need to simplify that language so that mm -hmm. no matter who it is um, we can we can just walk through it and be like yeah like I'm actually doing good this month financially based on this kind of thing rather than yeah. like having someone talk at you on <laughs> all of these big concepts right exactly yeah we talked about like what causes anxiety when it comes to finances but what do you see with like your your clients is like a big anxiety trigger yeah and a, a big anxiety trigger um Oh, I would say um, when they see their financial statements versus see the cash in their bank, that tends to be a really big one. I think that's probably why I keep bringing it up again and again is because that is probably the biggest one that I see. Um, you have this expectation looking at your financial statements of one thing or people having, um, you know, hit their revenue goals, crossed their revenue goals, but that just not translating all the way down. 
that causes them a lot of anxiety because for them, they don't know why and they don't understand why. And it feels like you don't like you make all this money, but you don't have the control over what's happening after you have made the money. So you're not taking home the you know the consistent or steady paycheck that you want to be taking because all of a sudden, you know, you made, you've crossed your goals this year or this month and, but all the money just flew away. Um, so I think that that is um, a big stress and, and, and anxiety um, inducer. And there's, again, there's so many ways to fix that and to avoid that. And it just starts from planning and understanding your numbers. I'd say that's probably the biggest thing. And then I think another one I'd say is um, when, when people are creating budgets and like we talked about, they have all this emotions attached to their money. So you're creating this budget, you've made this plan or uh, what, what call it, but you then feel like you either need to, it's, it's back to the situation where your money is controlling you. So you feel like you have this budget, you made it maybe super um, conservative, or you made it at a time period where you didn't have all the information that ha has changed over time. And you feel stuck, you feel like you either can't do the things you want to do, or can't make the investments for yourself for your business because of that budget, or you are going over that budget and then really beating yourself up for doing that and, you know, quote unquote, not hitting your budgeting goals. Um, and that causes a lot of stress for people because they feel like they're in a lose-lose situation. They either can't do the things that they want to do or they do and they have, you know, missed their goals now because of that. And so that's, that's one of the things we really work on is creating a realistic budget. So realistic is this is what you really think will happen. You're taking away all of the fluff. You're taking away all of the, um, you know, making a conservative budget versus an aggressive budget. Like it's just as real as it can get. And then the next thing is the flexibility aspect of it. If you make a budget today for the rest of the year and three months later, something completely different, your life looks completely different, things have completely changed. Your budget is the one that you set three months ago is not going to make, any, make sense anymore. And so you have to be open to revisiting that and changing it based on the new information that you have so that you are going off of real information, it, it, there's no point in going off of fake information because then you are not able to make the right decisions for you. Right. Yeah. I always talk to people and say that budget generally will take three to six months to get to a point where it's actually working for you. Um, oh. And then at that point, you're still going to need tweaks. But then I right. tell them to look at it as like one big box and then multiple small boxes inside that box. So it's like the ones, the big box is permanent. That's like your income. You can't, mm -hmm. ex, you can't exceed that because then you're dealing with debt. You're dealing with all of this other negative stuff. Yeah. You're breaking, you're breaking the box basically, but then everything else in that box, all those small boxes can be maneuvered within. So mm -hmm. if you're over in one, don't worry about it because you have other boxes that you can kind of pull from and then adjust next month or a next or just next quarter, whatever it is, then you have that ability to do so. And it actually gives you the freedom to do so when you look at it that when you look at it, it's like big parameters versus like, oh, no, I have to stick to every little detail in this budget. It's you're, you're it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I, 
I think best practices really when you're creating a budget is categorizing. So have a marketing category, for example, have a people category, all of these different categories mm -hmm. that you have. And I like to evaluate them as a percentage of your revenue. So for example, you're looking at your marketing budget as a percent of revenue, and you can see whether you think that that is too low or too high, and then you can adjust the other parts of your budget accordingly. So you can really like optimize how you allocate your budget based on what is bringing in revenue for you versus like what is not. So there's so many things that you get out of a budget and just like having the mindset of the flexibility and just like, this is not your, this is not a rule to follow. This is a tool for you to figure out what is right for you. Gotcha. Yeah, no, budgeting is, is really important. So what is your favorite type of budget? Is that a budget where like every dollar has an assignment or is that a budget where you're kind of a little bit more looser and like every dollar doesn't have to have an assignment, but it's all categorized? I'm more on the categorization side. I think that for me, that helps me see the flexibility that needs to be there. And also I can then better, um, it's I think better for like planning purposes. So if I have budgets for marketing, then I know that, you know, I can utilize this money to do this, this, and this for my business that's going to grow it in this, this, and this way, rather than saying, I'm going to spend $12,931 in this one area. I think that that gets, I think that goes into the point where it starts to feel restrictive. And what you want to do is make it as easy as possible for yourself to not get into that hole. Gotcha. Okay, let's move into emergency funds. What is your, you, you talked about how emergency fund is a little bit more flexible between each kind of person or each kind of business. Um, you want to dive into that a little bit more? Yeah, so I think that, I mean, everybody's emergency fund is going to look different based on based on their personal goals, based on their business goals, if you have a business. Um, so you really need to first start there. Like, what are your goals? What are your values and why? Because um, I think if you just know your goals, but you don't know why you want to achieve those goals, it kind of gets, um, it doesn't help really. Right. Um, and so every businesses or every person's emergency fund is going to look different based on what their lifestyle expectations are, what they are wanting for themselves. And once you have, you know, gone through the process of tracking through your expenses and knowing what your budget really looks like, what that bare minimum is for you to survive and for what period it is that you want that security, that also changes. For some people that are more um, risk prone, maybe three months of an emergency fund feels good to them. And for others, maybe even six months doesn't feel good enough. And so you really have to evaluate it. There is no hard and fast rule, in my opinion, on creating an emergency fund. I know you hear things um, all over where it's like, you must have six months of living expenses at all times. But maybe if you're living in New York City, six months is six months of living expenses might really not be enough. Or, or you might, it might cause you way too much anxiety and put you in a state where you feel like you don't have control again. And you can't take the actions that you need to take to get out of that situation that you're in. So a lot of, I think is, self-evaluation and those strategies that we talked about earlier to get you to the point to know exactly what that should look like for you. So how do you start building an emergency fund? What, what are some, do you have any tips or tricks to kind of just get you started? Yeah. Um, so I think I, 
personally recommend um, starting with your goal. So what is it that you want out of it? And so that's where you would start and then kind of reverse engineer to figure out how you can get there. And so that's kind of the whole process of a plan too, right? It's like you mm -hmm. create this plan. So your end goal based on um, whatever it is that you're wanting. So you start with that planned number. In this case, it would be what is that total emergency fund based on what you know about yourself and what kind of how much money you're going to need and for how long you need that. Um, so that would be your starting point. And then you kind of go backwards into, okay, well, what are some of those fixed expenses I can't do anything about? This would be for people, it would be a lot of like their housing expenses, their bare minimum food, things like that for businesses, just their um, bare minimum operating expenses. If you have salaries for people, if you have um, um, office space, so all of those things, you start there, go backwards. And then you can see, okay, well, to make this happen in this period of time, obviously it's not going to happen overnight. Like you're not going right. to make an emergency fund goal and hit that within the next month. That's highly unrealistic. Yeah, you're not going to get six months of expenses built up in a month. It mathematically doesn't make, <laughs> doesn't work. Right, exactly. So you also have to consider how much time you're giving yourself to do that. And that all factors into back calculating into what your expenses need to be looking like and what kind of revenue you need to be bringing in. Do you think that it helps when to understand your emotional strengths when it comes to money before you do all these things? Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, money mindset is such an important aspect. Um, I think that that's just like if you're stuck in like a scarcity mindset around money, you're constantly in this loop of stress and anxiety. And what that does is, first of all, you oftentimes will find yourself feeling like you're in a victim mindset rather than knowing that you're in control of your money. But um, subtle shifts can actually make a huge difference. So it's your thoughts and beliefs around money. So basically your thought, your beliefs are thoughts that you're having over and over and over again until it becomes a belief. Mm -hmm. And your beliefs and thoughts then impact your actions. And so what you believe about money is how you are showing up and then your actions are ultimately driving those results. So if you remember that and you can recognize that you can separate the thoughts from the feelings and the actions, um, that's going to change everything. So once you are able to separate that thought and recognize that this is a thought by itself and I can change the actions based on changing my thoughts, you can ultimately change the results. It kind of can help you motivate to get to the next step as well, can't it? Oh, I'm sorry, could you repeat that? Uh, that can also kind of help you motivate, motivate yourself to get to the next step too when you figure that out. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. If there was something that you would recommend for this audience, what would it be? Like whether a book, a person, a podcast, anything like that? Oh, that is a good question. So personally, I, okay, so this is not finance related, but I think a lot of what they talk about in this book is good for day-to-day -day life. And then that falls into money as a big aspect of your life as well. I'm big on self-help books and self-help podcasts. Uh, one thing that uh, really got me um, just showing up a lot, a lot better and just being a lot more in control of everything going on in my life, money included, um, is the 5am club by uh, Robin Sharma. Um, definitely recommend that. 
And then for people who either have a business um, or are thinking of starting a business, another one I think I'd really recommend is Profit First. That one is a really good book just to like get you around that mindset of how you can start to, it really talks about a lot about like separating the confusion around um, profits and cash and um, revenue. Um, so I think that that one's a really good one for people to just get their head around these, the jargon around money and how, how it can serve you. So now it comes to the time where you got to share a vulnerable moment when <laughs> what, what's, what's been your biggest mistake with, when it comes to money and finances? Oh, my biggest mistake. Um, that's a good one. I, I would say earlier when I was younger and I just started getting into the world of investing my own money, what I would do is I would, I would just listen to what other people are saying. So, and these are people who either I trust either in some way, shape or form or have been part of my life. And they would say, oh, go invest in this and this. And I would just go and do it without doing my own research. Um, I think that that was a mistake for a couple of reasons. First of all, <laughs> most of those just didn't work out for me. I ended up losing money. I didn't like that I was losing money and it, yeah, it just wasn't going well. And the second thing I noticed was that because I was, um, you know, because it wasn't working out for me, I actually started to feel negative feelings towards those people, which is definitely not a good, a good way to go about things, especially when they are important people in my life. And so what I learned from that really is like that there was, it was all on me, like, I am the one who is investing my money. It's my money and I have the power and decision to make the choices that I want. And I can make better decisions by utilizing what resources I have and really doing my own research and due diligence instead of going into what I talked about earlier, which is that victim mindset and just thinking that I don't have control over it. I mean, nobody was holding me hostage until I, until I invest in what they're telling me to invest in. That was totally on me and something that once I did recognize, it doesn't mean that I don't listen to other people and hear their recommendations. I do, and I enjoy that a lot, but that doesn't mean that I'm blindly going and doing what other people are telling me to do. I have my own research and also like what goes with me and you know my goals and my ambitions, because those are different for different people. And um, you know, some recommendations may be working out for other people because those are the goals that they are going for, or maybe they have a totally different risk appetite than me. So a lot of that was, I can just it, investing and just money in general. It's not a, a black and white thing. It's very, very individualized to each person. And I'd say that learning that was definitely, um, a big thing for me. Hmm. Yeah, I've, I've often found that we give ourselves permission to be the victim when we just simply listen to other people around us rather than like take our own time to do our own research, especially when it comes to family members. It's always such a scary <laughs> thing to like, and uh, I mean, there's, there's uh, multi-level marketing places all over the place that will tell you reach out to your family first, do this, do your family and friends. And you're just like, man, like, I, I get it. I get it because they trust you, but also it's, it's a negative because you're setting them, you're setting 
yourself and them up for failure just based on the relationship aspect of that Mm -hmm. regardless if it's good or not regardless if the products you're selling or the services you're presenting are good or not regardless of that something goes wrong and they put that trust in you then then their viewpoint is it's on you not the product itself yeah exactly and that is just absolutely not the case you are always in control of your money and of your decisions and how you take control is also completely on you yeah yeah we we have to we have to figure yeah we have to we have to realize that more is just a general society that sure (laughs) you can listen to everyone around you and you can take everyone's advice but not everyone can be right right not not everyone yeah and And not everyone's advice can be right for you right exactly Exactly. it's personal it's personal finance it's not it's or it's or in a business sense it's your business right? You have yeah. to do what's best for your business. And just because another business is succeeding over there because they're doing this doesn't mean you're going to succeed because you're doing that as well. Exactly. You're on different journeys. You might be in different stages of the journey and some things might make sense two years from now and might be a complete disaster if you did that right now. So yeah, it's just so subjective. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to dive into before we kind of close no i don't think so i think we we chatted a lot about um you know how to navigate stress and anxiety and all that's going on so i think that yeah hopefully this was um super valuable to the audience all right i got one more question for you what's your next big financial goal <laughs> um, that's an exciting question. I'd say, um, so I am, I'm just really loving the impact that I have been making from this business that I started. And I'm just really focused on growing it in a sustainable and profitable way. So I'd say my next big financial goal personally is to double my business revenue within the next year. Cool. And how long have you been doing this business again? Um, it's been about, I'd say five months. Okay. So just, just, just starting. Hey, mm-hmm. that's good. Awesome. And where can people find you? So I am most active on my Instagram. So that uh, my handle is TK underscore financial. So yeah. Awesome. Well, I really hope that my audience and anyone who's just passing by maybe listening for the first time will actually get something from this, which I believe they will. There's a lot of good content in what we talked about today. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you, Tanya, for coming on and sharing your wisdom with myself and the rest of the Mental Money audience. I know we are all better because of it. If you enjoyed Tanya's talk, please go check her Instagram out. There's a lot of good content on there. And if you've enjoyed this episode or any other episode of Mental Money, I really do encourage you to leave a rating and a review. Let us know what we're doing well. Let us know what you want to see for the future. Or maybe let us know what we maybe could improve on. Because we're all about learning and growing together. And I want to bring the best content for this audience to actually learn from each other. 
So thank you so much for doing that. There is a slight change in the schedule of when I'll be releasing this these podcasts, but that is to be determined in the next couple weeks here. So stay tuned for that. Until then, just keep checking back. Hit the subscribe button so you know when the next episode's going to air. Thank you so much. As I say every single time, keep going, keep winning. I'm cheering for you.